We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Just because we stop music and just because we stop clapping doesn't mean through, throughout this whole message you can't worship. You worship through this message because God responds and inhabits the praises of His people. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Please be seated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship this morning. We, we are so blessed to have people that will lead us in worship. Not here to perform, not here to show off, just here to lead the church of God in worship. I want to say a special thanks to Will. He came all the way from Athens, Texas to help us out today. It's good. Always good to see you. you know, we're glad you're happy to be here because it would be a little off. If we... I was just thinking as we were singing how that on the road to Emmaus, the two disciples were walking with Jesus. They didn't realize who they were walking with. And it took a while for them to understand who they were walking with. You understand who we're walking with here today? You understand who's walking with us here this morning? Let's not have a blind eye. Let's not be so caught up in the thing that we don't understand that someone is walking in our presence today that happens to be Jesus Christ. He is in this house today. He's not off on some planet somewhere. He's not hiding behind a star. He's not on the other side of the world. He is in this house, the Lord of glory in this house today. Praise God. Why is this happening to me? You ever said that before? We're going to be talking about a particular situation, and it's actually in Genesis 25, chapter 25 through chapter 27. If you want to turn there right now, we'll just kind of, I'll give you a chance to turn there, but we're going to survey a few chapters in God's Word today. Uh, in Genesis chapter 24, we see how that God prepared Rebecca and God transformed her into the person He called her to be. You know, one of the hardest things for us as Christians is when we first come into the church is understand that not only did God call us, He called us to be something. And He called us to be something, and in that, He transforms us into that thing. Now, I remember when, as, a, as a kid, I used to go out when the butterflies were, were about to come out and find those little bags that were hanging from the trees. And I just had a good old time opening those bags and watching that butterfly fall out. It was just fun to watch, but I, something I didn't realize. You know, there was a metamorphosis from a caterpillar to a butterfly, and in order for that butterfly to complete its mission and do what it was called to do, I had to leave that little bag alone and let him stretch his, push his wings and force his way out of that bag because that gave him the strength to fly. And so I want you to understand something today. We're going to talk about Rebecca and Isaac today, but understand something. God has called you like He called Rebecca. He's called you, and He's transforming you still into what He wants you to be. Listen, Rebecca, you just read the Scripture. I won't read the entire, unless you want me to read chapters 26 through 25 through 27. You want me to just do that? And we'll, no? Okay. I won't read all the chapters. Let's just look through the Word. So she was beautiful, yet as, as a young woman, she remained morally pure. Rebecca was a hardworking girl. She was generous and had a very humble spirit. She was the perfect match for Isaac, who was Abraham's son. She completely submitted herself to God. She was blessed in God's covenant of grace, and she trusted God. She entered into a covenant with God when she married Isaac, a covenant that came from Abraham. She is in the center of God's will. She's now happily married, and she's part of a covenant with the living God. 
Man, what a great place to be. God gives her a great promise for, of her descendants and what's going to come out of, out of their lineage, and then things seem to just fall apart. All of these great things are going on, and everything seems to be falling apart around her. In chapter 25, we learn that Rebecca was unable to have children for 20 years. Now, she knew she was in a promise of a lineage. Abraham, Isaac, and then there would be one. But for 20 years, she was unable to have a child. You know, I wonder what questions she might have asked God, knowing where she was and how she had lived, and that she was that perfect person for Isaac, and that she had held the ways of God. She had done all the right things. You ever felt that way? I've done all the right things. Why is this happening to me? Maybe it was something like this. I've been obedient to you, Lord, and I married the man you brought to me, and, uh, and I want to please him. And I'm tired of disappointing my husband month after month after month, telling him, no, I don't have a child. And I've heard no, no from you for 20 years, Lord. I don't understand. The promise you made to Abraham, my father-in-law, now rests in me. I'm crying out for a child. Why is this happening to me? But then you read just a later on in verse 25 of that same chapter that Isaac, her husband. Now, I'm wondering what happened for 20 years. But Isaac, her husband, decides to pray for her. Pray in her behalf. And lo and behold, when her husband prayed in her behalf, listen, men, y'all listen to me. When her husband prayed on her behalf, lo and behold, she conceived. 20 years. Dude, where were you, Isaac? 20 years. And he prays and she conceives. Listen, ladies, that, understand something. That's our responsibility to pray for our wives. Men, it's our responsible, responsibility to pray for our wives. We're, we have been given a great responsibility in our marriage, not just in the leadership, but in the prayer. God's seed of promise was not to be merely a fruit that came from two people. God's seed of promise was a great gift of grace. And so that 20 years was just so Rebecca could understand that God is a graceful God. He's full of grace. He's full of tenderness and love. Husbands and wives should always pray together about things. Do you do y'all pray? Do you pray together, husbands and wives, about things? Yeah, I pray over here in that room, and she prays in that room. Well, as long as you're praying together, it's better when you're praying side by side. But if you just pray together, that's that's a good start. We should be praying together for things. It's amazing what God will do in our life when we team up, because He's already teamed us up. God's already God's already teamed husband and wife up. You. You twain shall become one flesh. You're a team whether you like it or not. But when we decide to team up, my, what God will do. Listen, when, when you are in despair and crying out, why is this happening to me? Remember that God intends to do this exceptional work of promise. When you're crying that out, stop for a second and realize that God, maybe God's timing is so that he can perform this exceptional because Isaac, Isaac was an exceptional work of promise in Abraham's life. And now she's going to have another exceptional work of promise. It, it, it just lineage after lineage. And a lot of times we've, you know, we've heard it taught how that, you know, there were seven generations of sin before Noah. God let seven generations pass. Man, can you imagine that? That's a lot of sin. It was so bad that every man's heart was on evil, doing evil things. 
But now God only lets it go to the third and the fourth generation. But God's promises last for eternity. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. And so understand that God may be working. Why is this happening to me right now, Pastor? Maybe God's trying to work something special in your life right now. So then after this, Rebecca has the difficulty with her pregnancy. When you read, she feels this unusual movement inside of her, in her womb, and it feels like there's some kind of wrestling match going on. The Hebrew word for the baby's jostled within her, that word is rasas, R-A-S-A-S. It appears about 20 or so times in the Old Testament. It's translated as oppressed, splintered, crushed, bruised, even smashed into pieces. And so this feeling that she was having inside of her was of a, a splintering, a crushing, a smashing. There was, there was a fight going on inside of her. She, she's crying out, why is this happening to me? Remember, there were no sonograms or ultrasounds. She had no idea she had twins going on here. She, all she knew that she had conceived and she had a child. You know, we, we don't think about things a lot when you understand all this is going on in her life, and she has no clue that she's carrying twin sons. And so as she prays as to why it's happening, God, why is this happening? Then the Lord reveals. You know, sometimes it's okay to ask God, why is this happening to me? It's okay. Because God in a revelation will tell you exactly why it's happening. And he did to Rebecca. The, the Lord revealed to her, boy, listen, not only did you conceive, man, you doubled up. You got two going on here. You got two sons. And these two sons will be two nations. And they're going to be divided and different. But understand this. The younger is going to rule over the older. God says he works them out of his purpose of election and salvation, the Scripture says. He works things out in your life. Why? Because of his purpose of your election in salvation. You know, we are the elect. We're the elect of God. And so there are purposes in your life and mine that he works out. And, it, and it, it's, it's going to be revealed through, in our salvation. Remember when you're crying out to God in anguish or suffering, why is this happening to me? God is working his eternal purpose. Not just a specific purpose or a specific design in your life right now, but when things happen, why is this happening? There's an eternal purpose that's going on that God's working out in your life. It's a purpose even though it may be tough. You know the, per the times we remember the most, right? They're the toughest ones, aren't they? You know, the good times come and they go, and we look for another good time. Why? Well, we, 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 we got past that one. We kind of don't even remember what that was about. But listen, when, a, when tough times come, we don't look for another tough time, do we? Because we remember exactly what happened. We remember how hard it was and how difficult it was. But you understand, God is taking us through in an eternal purpose. Just about every Christian wife hopes and prays for a good marriage and a wonderful family, don't they? Just about every Christian wife wants to have a, a wonderful family. They want to have a good marriage. And I'm sure Rebecca was no different. She wanted to have this good marriage with Isaac. She wanted to have a great family. But as the twins were born and grew, and, and the decades of her marriage passed by, she was no doubt grieved by what she began to witness as things began to happen. And she would see, not just in her sons, but even in her marriage. First, she saw these two twin boys that were divided. They were separate. They were different. They, they didn't even have, they weren't even compatible. They, they, were, they, they didn't play together. One like this and the other one like that. The one didn't like this and the other one didn't. And they just, they weren't compatible. Esau was this skilled hunter. He was this outdoorsman. He was a ruddy guy. Jacob chose to remain in the tents uh, around where his mom was. And 
This seemed to cause a rift between Isaac and Rebekah. If you look at it, Isaac loved Esau, who satisfied Isaac's crave for this wild game food, while Rebekah loved Jacob because he preferred to stay at home. So did Rebekah resent the fact that her husband preferred her son's cooking over hers? Thought, just a thought. I've cooked for this old man for quite a long time, and she likes my son's cooking better than he likes mine, and I know him a lot better than he does. Did she resent that? Possibly. Did Isaac think less of Jacob because all he wanted to do was hang around the house with mom? Possible. There may have been some resentment from Rebecca because of what Isaac did while they were visitors in a foreign land. As these boys are growing and things happen, not only was there a grief that came into her life, but there was also issues that came. Because Isaac did exactly what his dad did. Exactly. They go into a foreign land, and those guys are looking at Rebecca. Oh, that's a nice lady. Hey, uh, uh, oh, that's my sister. Sir, listen. Be careful what you teach your sons. Be careful how you live your life. Apples don't far, fall too far from the tree. So understand that. Get, get, get a grip on what's being said here. And so... You know, he, he wanted to just save his skin, he, just, just like his dad. I, I've got to save myself here, so I'm going to pass her off as my sister. Let me ask you something, ladies. Everybody, all ladies, listen to me. How would you like it if you were out with your husband and, you know, three thugs came up and said, hey, man, we like your life. wife. Oh, that's not my wife. That's my sister because they were holding guns on you. And, they, you know, you know, hey, we, you know, how would you feel? So there had to be something that went into Rebecca when this happened because she's as human as you and I. Why is this happening to me? Later, Rebecca has more reason to grieve over her son Esau. In chapter 25, he sells off the birthright to Jacob for a little meal, just a small meal, just a few things to eat. You see, the birthright was this status thing of the firstborn in the Jewish family. It meant the headship of the family and possible double share of a family estate when it came to that time. So it held a lot of, this held a lot of weight. It meant as well the inheritance of the covenantal promises of God. It wasn't just physical. It was spiritual. This, this, this thing that he had, this birthright that was in his hands was physical and spiritual. It was a major thing in his life. But Esau, knowing all of that, disregarded and despised it. He felt it had no value to him. He was hungry. What grief must have grabbed hold of her heart to watch her son throw away the treasure that God wanted to give him? Why is this happening to me? Then Esau brought more grief to his mom when he was 40 because he married two Hittite women. Once again, he throws away a godly heritage, which is compounded by the fact that Abraham had done such a, gone to great lengths to make sure that Isaac found this woman, Rebekah, that was of a godly tribe, not a pagan woman, a good woman for his wife. And now Esau takes two pagan women for wives. As well, once they were married, they lived around the tents of Isaac and Rebekah. So every day, Rebekah had to hear those ladies give homage and give worship and praise to pagan gods. 
And every day when they had children, she had to watch her grandchildren grow up with being taught pagan things. Why is this happening to me, God? Wasn't I, didn't I do the right thing? Didn't I hold myself right? Didn't I work well? Didn't I treat people right? Wasn't I called to be Isaac's wife? Didn't I do all this? Why is this happening? Then in chapter 7, Rebecca complains to Isaac about the Hittite women. She says, if Jacob takes a wife from the Hittites, from that land, my, wife, my life is just not worth living. In other words, why is this happening? If, if Jacob does what Esau does, it's time for me to leave. It's time for me to go. My life's not worth the living. Rebecca's story starts out with a great promise, doesn't it? Many times when we come to God, that's how we feel, isn't it? When we come to God, you remember when you, some of us, it's been 40, over 40 years, 50 years. Remember when God first found you and then you entered into a relationship with God and, man, things just seemed like, you know, your greatest enemy became somebody you loved. and Man, your life was just filled with all of this, this great promise and, man, you seemed like everything was going great. Then you begin to live your life and it seemed like things begin to happen. See, her life is not much different than our lives. It's not much different in our lives. And often in our lives, maybe we don't say it that way, but we come to God and we say, why is this happening to me? You know, I can remember coming into the church thinking, man, I'm good now. I don't have to worry about any troubles. I'm in the house of God, living for God, and no problems coming my way. But that's a self-deception in its biggest form. Because understand, things are going to happen. You're human. Rebecca's story had that start of promise. But it seemed to drift. It seemed to drift in suffering and despair for her. But that's really far from the truth. You see, when you look in Romans chapter 9, verses 10 through 12, Rebecca's remembered this way. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come. And this is Paul writing to the church in Rome. And Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but it's the purpose of God according to the election. God made an elect in that woman. God made a choice in that woman. He called her. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. You understand today that you are the elect of God. God has called you. Scripture says many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. God called her, and not only that, she's chosen now. What is she? For the lineage of a Messiah, she's chosen. Does that mean when we're called and we're chosen, we don't go through suffering and pain and grief? No. What it means is we need to recognize today as the people of God, we're here today because not only did He call us, He chose us. Rebecca received a very clear word from the Lord that through her barrenness, through her suffering, through her disappointments and her griefs, God's purpose of election would continue. Part of this had to do with God's promise. When God, and we've said this before, you you, you go on and you start reading this Bible and you, you're doing pretty good till you get to the begats. Zamar begat Homar who begat Zemar who begat that Mar and begat whoever Mar. All of those, 
And you think, why in the world would God put this in here? But you understand, it's a direct result of what we're talking about today. God's promise to Abraham. It's a direct result of that. You find the lineage of the Messiah. And that's, those, that's why the begats are in there. God shows us that he keeps his promise. By going through every generation. Man, I, it's hard enough for me to go through a couple of days about, oh, let's, let's see, this is how I kept my promise. Uh, maybe I need to do it again just to make sure I kept it. But God went through generations showing us that it's through that elect. Do you ever wonder why this is happening to you? You ever wonder why this is happening to you? You know, some of us are in a place in our life, and here's the thing we have to be very, very careful of, because Pastor Don ran into this in his early Christian life. When you're living a life for God, and it seems that all is going well. It seems like you're doing all the right things. You're praying like you should. You're reading like you should. You're attending like you should. And all these things. You look around and you say, why aren't they doing it like us? What's their problem? Why can't they attend like we do? Why can't they involve themselves like we do? Why do they have these problems like we don't have? Be very careful of that. Because what's going to happen is at some point in place, the place they needed God in, you're going to need God in. The place, Pastor Don, listen, y'all, don't wish that on me, Pastor Don. I'm not wishing anything on you. I'm telling you the truth. What's going to happen in your life is there's going to come a place, and it's major, where you need God. And if you spend your life looking at other people's lives and wondering why they're not as good as you, they don't do it as well as you and all those things, imagine how bad you're going to really need God when it comes. Because you've heaped upon yourself something you should never have done. You've not only placed the thing in your life that you need God for, but all the things that you were pointing that other people didn't do, now you've heaped that on your deal too. And that's a lot of pressure for one human being. It's a lot of pressure. That's why you ever wonder why some people just backslide away from God and just never come back? Generally what you find is, it's those people, generally, it's those people who've done what I just described. They were so good in their Christian walk, why weren't others? Never, ever look at another person in church and wonder why they're not. Rebecca was the wife and the lineage of promise for 20 years. She was wondering why she was not. She didn't put it off on anybody else. She understood there was a greater purpose in this. So just, just, just understand that. It's, that's easy to do, isn't it? It's easy to stand in a place of, I won't use the word judgment because that sounds, it's what it is, but it sounds too harsh. But to examine someone else's life and they don't meet, meet the keel that we have set up. You know, here's the thing that I found out from Pastor Don's. I thought I was in a place that I wasn't even close to. When I was making those judgments about people's lives and why they weren't doing these things, I thought I was in a place with God where, and I had no clue that I was down here and really needed to be way up here. But I thought everybody else was down here and I was way up here. And I didn't realize. And you know what happens? There comes a place of grief and struggle and trial in your life to help you to understand God's working a purpose in your life but you understand this. It's not the one you think it is. 
Rebecca was called to be a part of this wonderful process of election and salvation. Without Rebecca, without Rebecca, there's no Jacob. Oh, but, but Isaac could have married another woman. Had he married another woman, there wouldn't have been a Jacob. Jacob was from Isaac and Rebekah. You understand how particular God is about things. Have you, I mean, have you ever looked back in your high school days and think, man, if I'd have married her or, she, or if I'd have married him, the children we would have would be, and it's not the children that you would have, wouldn't be the children you have today. Be totally different children, totally different life. You understand just how direct God is about your life. He chose you particularly for your mate, and he chose your mate particularly for you. And you have those children because they have a particular purpose in life. There's nobody else like them because there's nobody else like you. She was part of a purpose. She was part of a redemptive purpose in you and I. I mean, what if, what if you were part of a redemptive purpose in a person's life? Ah, but you are. God called you because you are a part of someone else's redemption. That They will be redeemed because you came into their life. They'll be redeemed because you met them in their life. They'll be redeemed because you brought Jesus to them. They'll be redeemed because you brought the elect and salvation to their life. So, yes, you do. You have very much have that position in life. Listen, even though it may seem that her question was, why is this happening? Because it seemed like when you read those chapters, she, she didn't just outright say it, but it seemed like she comes to God sometimes, why is this happening to me? The thing is, she never lost faith in the God that she called her God. She never lost faith. Sometimes, listen, we don't understand things sometimes, right? The thing is, just like Peter, man, you know, I find myself, I'm getting away from this, but I used to find myself quite a bit just like Peter when the Lord said, listen, you're going to deny me three times. Oh, no. You, you know what? I found a fault in you, Lord. You, you don't understand what you're saying. I'll never do that. You ever said that? Oh, don't ever say those words. Please, church. Never say I'll never. Sometimes when we look at people's lives and they do things, we say I'll never do the. You know what you're going to do? That. Trust me. That's what you're going to do. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. I'll never do that. It's not a matter of if. It's just a matter of when. We have to understand some things about us. He said, Peter, I'm not going to argue with you here. I'm just telling you it's going to happen, but I'm not even going to pray that it doesn't happen because I'm telling you it is going to happen. What I am going to pray, though, is that when it's done, you don't lose your faith, that your faith doesn't fail. And that's what it was with Rebecca. The whole thing, just don't let your faith fail, and she didn't. Have you asked that question lately? Why is this happening to me? Has it come to you lately? Man, when I got COVID, I knew why it was happening to me. <laughs> I didn't have to ask God. Many times we ask God a question we already know the answer to, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't know the answer because God's working a purpose. So instead of complaining, when those things come into your life, God, why is this happening to me? Now, I know I'm looking at a wonderful group of people that you might not have ever done this in your life. But at some point, you may ask God, why is this happening to me? Pastor Don has done it quite a bit. Why is this happening? 
But understand this. Instead of complaining now at the situation, I'm asking God now, God, of all the people you have, could have called, why did you call me? Of all the people you could have called, why did you call me? Why is this amazing thing happening in my life? Now, it might be hard and it might be tough, but understand, this amazing thing is happening to you. If you're asking God today, why is this happening to me? It's because God's working something real amazing in your life right now. You may not see it. It may be covered in your eyes. You may not understand it. It may look like it's going the other direction. But understand something. God's working something. He's doing something. He's bringing something about. Perhaps, just perhaps, you're part of a great process and bringing salvation to someone else. Maybe that's what it's all about. Why did I go through this, God? Why is this happening to me? Because old Uncle Joe that has been watching you for 25 years lived for God and he thought you were a fool, sees you go through something and watches you come through it and watches you still live for God for another 25 years. And old Uncle Joe has a problem in his life and old Uncle Joe says, you know what? That's it. Maybe the whole reason you go through things is simply to find someone else to find the reality of who God really is and can be in their life. So my question today is, why is God's love and salvation happening to me? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I know me better, other than God, I know me better than anybody else. And sometimes I have to ask myself, God, why are you so graceful that you would allow me to come into your kingdom, to be in your kingdom, to be a part of the church. And why are you letting this happen to me? Why is this happening to me? And I get that same sweet grace and love simply because I love you. Why is this happening to me today? Because God loves you. Stand with me if you would. You ever heard that person say, man, I've lived a full life? Or have you ever looked at that person and said, man, they lived a full life? What does that mean to live a full life? Well, he's 90 years old. There are people that are 90 years old that don't live a full life. They just existed for 90 years. What does it mean to live a full life? A full life. A full life is a life full of experience. That's what a full life is, experience. You meet those, you know, those people that the kids are gone. Now we're going to experience life. <laughs> we're going to have a full life now because we're not paying for that and we're not paying for that and we're not watching this one and we're not, you know what? Your kids are your kids for the rest of your life. They will always be your kids. Even if you disown them, you cannot break the bloodline. So you might as well accept it now. And understand what a full life really is. A full life is always being who you are. If he's called you and brought you into purpose, be who you are. But, you know, I'd like to be, mm, don't ever say I would like to be that person. Because what you're saying to God, you made a mistake, God. You know what you're saying to God? You build junk. You know what you're saying to God? You messed up. You know what you're saying to God? That, that's what you're saying. God designed you specifically for who you are. And to be a full life means to be who you are. 
well, I can be who I am and not have to live a full life. That's true. The other part of that is this. Be who you are in God's purpose. I promise you, you'll have a full life. I promise you, if you are who you are in the purpose of God, you won't have any slack time in your life. If you're really living for God, you won't have any loose time in your life. It'll be so full. God will assure you of that and make sure of that. Your life will be so full in all aspects of your life that you won't have any empty time. Sometimes I want to rest, don't you? <laughs> no? Well, I do. Maybe I'm lazy. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to stop rest. Well, there's a rest that we have. You know, that Holy Ghost that's in you, that's your rest. We're in the weary. That's your rest. The Spirit of God gives you that rest when you're weary. Yeah, there's that rest there. The beautiful thing about it is you can have that rest any second of the day because you're living in Him. You're living in who you are in His purpose. Do you wonder why this is happening to me today? It's simply because God loves you. I'm going to open these altars up this morning because sometimes we look at God in a way that we really shouldn't look at God, but it's our human nature side of that. And that's that when we ask why is this happening to me, that can be phrased in several different ways. Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Depending on where you emphasize the word brings the spirit of your, what you're saying. And so I'm just going to open these altars to give every one of us a chance to say, why, God, is this happening to me? Not my troubles, not my struggles, not my issues, not my griefs, not my sorrows. Why, God, did you choose me? Why, You know, God wants you to understand why he chose you. Why, God, did you choose me? Many are called, few are chosen. This is just an opportunity to meet him and understand why he chose you. Lord, we just appreciate your presence. We thank you for your love. And oftentimes, Lord, we come to your throne not understanding the fullness of our life, not understanding situations, going through struggles and griefs and trials and just not understanding, Lord, that you love us and you're designed a purpose in our life. And in that design, you have to lead us into places. We all have different places, Lord. We all have different situations. Things happen and seem to go well, and then they, like Rebecca, it seems like the bottom drops out of it. But we understand, God, that the bottom didn't drop out of Rebecca's life. You were just taking her through that election unto salvation the promise of salvation to God's people. So, Lord, help us today as we're in this altar, as we're at our chairs, wherever we might be, God. Help us to recognize. Help us to be thankful this morning, Lord. Maybe I don't understand all of why you chose me because I know me, not as good as you do, but I know me, God, and I have to question sometime why you chose me. There's no good thing in me, Lord. I know that. Save Jesus Christ. And so I don't fully understand today, God, why you chose me. But since you did, God, can I work, walk in your purpose today? Can, can I, can, would you teach me to walk in your purpose today? Would you show me a direction in my life? 
Lead me to someone, God, that, that is, will become the elect unto salvation. God, help me to be that person that not only you made me to be, but like Rebecca, you called me to be. Church, just reach out to the Lord right now. He's called you. He's called you for purpose and reason. I struggled, Pastor Don, because I've never really fully understood it. Listen, church, you may never really fully understand it, but walk in it. Walk in it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.